Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for July 2nd, 2023. Join in our call to worship. We gather as pilgrims on a journey of faith. We come seeking the cloud of your presence as we travel the way. We come seeking your pillar of fire to light our darkness. Shine in our hearts, O God, with the light of your love. Make your presence known through Jesus the Christ. Amen. Generous God, you have given us more than enough. Help us to live as conduits of your love, sharing with those in need. Let us live as though we trust your loving provision. In Jesus' name, amen.
from the book The Lives We Actually Have, 100 Blessings for Imperfect Days by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. God, I carry around this incompleteness, this drive for fulfillment that always seems just around the corner. If only I could get it together and find my true calling, my real passion, or the right plan. God, help me, guide me. What am I missing? Blessed are we who strive earnestly to change ourselves and the world around us, but feel the drag and pull of what won't budge, the weight of all our limited and frail humanity. We carry it with us. Blessed are we, the hungry, in lives that are both too much and not enough, willing to tell the truth to ourselves and to each other that we languish here, in what is perhaps the central paradox of our condition, that what we hunger for, perhaps more than anything else, is to be known in our full humanness, and yet that is often just what we also fear more than anything else to be fully known and fully loved in all our humanity. That is a God-sized project. Blessed are we, thankful that we can live our human-sized lives in the glad company of the vulnerable and the broken, the imperfect made whole in the love of God through Jesus Christ. Maybe it's right to be hungry and stay that way. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue our sermon series, Consider the Birds with the Quail, Remembrance and Thanksgiving. Our scripture is Exodus 16, 1 through 18, 31 through 35. 
The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elim, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the fleshpots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord." For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations in order that they may see the food with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. 
As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the covenant for safekeeping. The Israelites ate manna for forty years, until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Quail are interesting little birds. There are approximately 400 species of quail in the world. Quail have, in fact, been domesticated for about 4,000 years. The northern bobwhite quail, the ones we know in Nebraska, are native birds. They provided the Native Americans with food long before white settlers arrived. Their numbers are now diminished through loss of habitat and pesticide use, but in pioneer days they were plentiful and delicious. The type of quail the Israelites knew are known as Coturnix Coturnix. They are a weak-winged bird, and they will fly only with the wind. If the wind is against them, they will stay grounded for days, making them prone to capture. An odd fact about this kind of bird is that it can become poisonous. They sometimes eat poisonous plants, such as hemlock or hellebore. Although the quails can eat these plants with no ill effects to themselves, they store the toxins within themselves, which taints their meat. Therefore, when people eat their meat, they become poisoned by them. This is known as coturnism and causes the breakdown of muscle cells as well as muscle tenderness. This may help explain the plague caused by the eating of quail that is recorded in Numbers 11.33. In the passage we're studying today, the Hebrew people are on their long march between Egypt and the land of Canaan. God has given them a wonderful experience of deliverance from bondage in Egypt. They walked through the sea on dry land, while Pharaoh's army was swallowed up in water. They celebrated with singing and dancing. But euphoria quickly turned to complaint. The mob of ex-slaves pitched camp at Mara, where the water was bitter. God intervened and sweetened the bitter waters. Elam, the next stopping place, is a desert oasis with springs, palm trees, and blue skies. It's everything tired hikers in the desert could ask for. But God didn't let the Hebrews settle for long at the resort like Elam. God made them move out into the desert of sin. What an ominous-sounding name. What a hard place this is, the desert of sin. Sun beats down, absolutely no shade to rest in. Water had to be rationed out, and worst of all, there was no food. Pretty soon, from all corners of the Hebrew camp, you can hear gripe leaders go into action. Soon, a chorus of complaint becomes a murmuring through the mob. Where do our leaders, Moses and Aaron, think they're taking us? Look, we were at that wonderful place, Elim. Why couldn't we stay there longer? 
Instead, we had to march out into this godforsaken desert where there's no shade, no water, no food. Some began to grumble, man, remember what it was like in good old Egypt. Remember the meat and fish and wonderful vegetables of Egypt. It would have been better to die as slaves in Egypt than starve as free people in the desert. Moses and Aaron have brought us out here to starve to death. Down with Moses and Aaron. It's only a month since the parting of the sea. It's only a month since their great deliverance from Egypt. Only one month is all it takes to start the griping and groaning and grumbling. How soon they have forgotten God's goodness. Finally, Moses reports to the Israelites that God has heard their grumblings. Three times in three verses, this short sentence, God has heard your complaining. Complaining is forgetfulness. Maya Angelou, the African-American poet, tells of whiners who would come into her grandmother's store in Arkansas. Grandma would always quietly beckon Maya to come closer. Then she would bait the customer with, How are you doing today, Brother Thomas? As the complaining gushed forth, she would nod or make eye contact with her granddaughter to make sure Maya heard what was being said. As soon as the whiner left, her grandmother would ask Maya to stand in front of her. Then she would say the same thing she had said at least a thousand times. Sister, did you hear what brother so-and-so or sister much to do complained about? You heard that. Maya would nod. Grandma would continue, Sister, there are people who went to sleep all over the world last night, poor and rich and white and black, and they will never wake up again. Sister, those who expected to rise did not, and those dead folks would give anything, anything at all, for just five minutes of this weather or ten minutes of that plowing this person was grumbling about. So you watch yourself about complaining, sister, said Grandma. Grandma would conclude, What you're supposed to do when you don't like a thing is change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Don't complain. Grumbling is forgetting the blessing of life itself and of life's simple benefits. Paul writes to believers in Philippi, Do all things without complaining. Paul uses the same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word found in the story of grumbling Hebrews. It's a word which sounds like what it means, gongosmos. It's like our English word murmur. Doesn't that sound like grumbling? Do all things without murmuring, writes Paul, for grumbling is forgetting. But look at the other side of grumbling. While grumbling is forgetfulness, thanksgiving is the proper response to grace. The Exodus was the gracious act of a good and compassionate God. The Hebrews had not earned God's goodness. They had forgotten the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob while suffering under Pharaoh. 
But God remembered his covenant with their ancestors and delivered them from slavery. The manna was a gift, an expression of God's grace. So was the quail. God was graciously providing, though not necessarily the way the Hebrews wanted. God still graciously brings exodus. God still graciously satisfies our hunger. God still graciously feeds us with the bread of life, Jesus himself. Grace is something completely unearned and unmerited. Thanksgiving is acknowledging that someone has given us what is not our due. Thankfulness, veteran preacher Warren Wearsby once observed, is the opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve what comes to me. Other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life is a gift from God and that the blessings of life come only from God's bountiful hand. In everything, Paul wrote, give thanks, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not necessarily for everything, but in every situation, give thanks for who God is. Give thanks even when manna is boring. Give thanks even when we're tired of roast quail. Give thanks when Egypt tempts us to return to slavery. Give thanks at the waters of Mara and in the desert of sin. Give thanks because of God's grace, even in the midst of trouble. Thanksgiving is a response to grace. So the next time you hear a quail or see its tiny feathered body walking through the grasses of the prairie, give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. Remember, God is good. Let us pray. I have many things to be thankful for, God. Sometimes I remember them and other times I forget. When something large or small goes wrong, it fills my mind, and I forget those things for which, when I remember, I am thankful. Help me to remember the good things, God, to name them, to savor them, and to be thankful to you. Amen. In
receive the benediction. Go in the fullness of God's great love. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Go in peace. Amen.